0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast. It's the end of another week, a pretty important week because it's fight week. Oh, yeah. UFC 266 yeah. is this Saturday, and we have the entire scoop for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Everything. Yeah.
0: An entire breakdown of the card. This is an episode basically dedicated all to UFC 266. Yeah. MMA decided to take a week off in terms of anything else. Not a ton going on fight announcement-wise or in the news. So that means more time to dedicate to about that was eight what fights. That's okay. <laughs> but uh, Dominic, how you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm very excited because, first off, the main event is one I've been waiting on. I've been saying it over and over, building the anticipation for today's episode, and we finally get to discuss it because it's going down, Ortega Volkanovski, the most anticipated fight for me personally of all year in the UFC, believe it or not. Mm. And it's here, and I'm ready. Plus, there's like 18 other amazing fights on this card. It's going to be a damn good episode. I hope you're all ready. Noah, how are you feeling?
0: feel good. You got a good night's rest, overslept yeah. for a class. We're ready yeah. to go.
1: <laughs> there it is.
0: We're ready to go. But uh, let's get straight into those fight announcements. What do you say? All righty. All one of them. And it's not mm, even a yeah. fight announcement. <laughs> yeah, a, I know. It's bad news. It's a fight denouncement. <laughs> yes. As Misha Tate is unfortunately out ah. of her scheduled five-rounder with Ketlin Vieira on October 16th. No word on if this uh, fight's going to get moved, if they'll find a replacement for Ketlin. Dominic, what, where are you feeling right now? You think that they keep Ketlin on this card against someone else in a main event spot? Or do they just move this fight maybe to early next year?
1: I have a feeling they might just delay it. I still think it's a good matchup and it makes sense for both women. Uh, Again, for Vieira, it's her biggest opportunity yet with their biggest named opponent. So if I'm her, assuming it's not too serious because Misha fell out due to COVID. And this is still three weeks away, so she must be relatively sick to go ahead and you know, delay it now. So maybe sometime later this year, if they can find another fight night main event, or maybe they'll just make it a co-main or something, but I think we should keep this fight together. It makes a lot of sense for both women. It's a big (laughs) fight in terms of their futures. So uh, yeah, shout out to Misha Tate. Hopefully she gets better soon for Ketlin Vieira. Stay ready for the biggest fight of her career.
0: Well, that, that leaves something up in the air then, because that means we have an open main event slot October 16th. And I don't even remember. Oh, this is the card with Holly Holm and Norma Dumont.
1: There's your main event. No, I'm just kidding. I, I'm just, kidding. I, I
0: just don't think that should be. But, um, yeah. you know, I don't know if they're going to be able to find another main event before that date. So um, laugh now, but Holly Holm versus Norma Dumont may be the main event we get on that date.
1: Yeah, very well could be.
0: That's going to wrap it up for those fight announcements. And That was fast. <laughs> yep. We got we to gotta take it back to Tuesday for a little recap. Oh, yeah. I'm glad one of us came prepared. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> the You're contender series. <laughs> I literally said I wasn't going to. And, and you did. That's the first thing I did. Contender series week four As came and went. I watched it. I, well,
1: I watched two of them. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't come with the full slate of takeaways, but I do have takeaways for two if we get into them. I, I promise everyone I'll, I'll watch them. I just didn't have time to watch them before we started recording. So Noah's going to backpack this segment. Fair enough. Uh,
0: uh, you know, I'm not the guy to backpack. I'm not. You know, I'm not the contender series guy like Dominic. But um, I am. You are for this en- week. I am enjoying it more and more. 19 <laughs> contracts and 20 fights. i um, absolutely absurd. But you know, whatever <laughs> they do, their thing. But on the, to be honest, this week I really can't um, say anything. I think they gave the contracts. I mean, considering some of the contracts that have been given out this season have felt like not up to the caliber of Mm where they usually, you know, try to cut people off at this week, four contracts given out in five fights, but all four of them felt pretty deserving. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, the two fights that you got to watch. I mean, Victor Martinez had a war with Jacob Rosales. That was an awesome fight. But then the guy everybody's talking about the guy that I think, looked fit. The biggest takeaway for me was Cladezen Rodriguez. This guy that striking looked so just fluid and looked it was really nice to watch, really fun to watch. Um he's going to be a player for sure in my opinion.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um Stephen Wynn was the one winner who didn't get a contract. He he looked fine. You did even said he'd probably bring him back but um, didn't exactly do anything to sh- to shine. I mean, it wasn't the the best fight in the world either. So, g- no brainer not to bring him in. If he would have got a contract, then I would have had a problem. Yeah. No offense to Stephen Wynn, Michael Morales. This guy had a really good performance, but he was kind of one that I wasn't sure if he'd get a contract or not. Um, and what was so surprising was Dana gushed about this guy. Yeah. You know, don't get me wrong. He looked really good. But I, I was surprised to see Dana go out on a limb and say, like, I think this guy has huge star potential. I mean, mm-hmm. really gushing about this guy. And he he does look the part. He's a handsome guy, chiseled, but um, doesn't speak any English. Uh, he's Brazilian, I believe. So um, in terms of star potential, I mean, I, sometimes, you know, if you don't speak English, then it's yeah, hard, that hard to definitely really hinders build it. that following. But um, he looked really good, though. I look forward to seeing what he does next. But. Main event, Ohio boy representing. uh, Well, not for you. Um, Mm, Okay,
1: (laughs) I I redact the O H.
0: AJ Dobson. He had Mark Coleman in his corner, and he just ran through his opponent Hashim Arkaga. Um, I believe his opponent was a. I believe Hashim. I believe he was. I don't know if he was from Dagestan, but he was like a Russian fighter, Mm -hmm. and uh, AJ Dobson just ran through him like he was nothing. Hurt him on the feet with everything he threw. Ultimately got a submission victory that he didn't even really have the position on. He just kind of forced it, forced in that rear naked. Um, very, when he got to the ground, very Mark Coleman-esque performance. Just using yeah. brute strength to get the job done. But on the feet, the guy looked very, very powerful. and um, I'm very excited to see what happens for him next. OHIO. Oh. I got you,
1: AJ Dobson. Noah's if got him. doesn't. I know. I am an awful human being. <laughs> Dominic, any
0: thoughts before we move on from that?
1: I mean, again, for me, I only got to see the first two. And from what I saw, they were great fights. The Victor Martinez, Jacob Rosales, very back and forth. I thought he faced huge adversity, got dropped at the end of that first round, came back and won rounds two and three decisively. And I, you know, it was a very back and forth, fun fight on the feet. For Cletson, that's where I really started to begin. Tempering off into a sleep, so I was on and off for this one. But from what I saw from the kid, and as Noah mentioned, how great he looked, this guy could really be a player coming here with his uh, UFC tenure. So I'm excited as always for the contract winners of the Contender Series.
0: Yeah, Victor Martinez was another one I wasn't too sure if he would get a contract. It's just because of how fight, close, just how close again, how competitive the fight was. But I mean, Jacob Rosales could be a UFC caliber opponent yeah. for all we know. It's just. I am I'm, I'm still, you know, getting used to trying to not, you know, finding better ways to evaluate mm-hmm. kind of the contracts given out on this show. I've gone back and started watching through from the beginning. I'm almost through season 1 of the con- the contender series. I've seen some episodes here and there but haven't watched through, so I've been watching them through just to see um how I guess you know, how selective they were in season one, is that holding up to how selective they are now right? in comparison to the performances? I do have some statistics for you, Dom. Hit me. So, um, let me go to them on my little Excel sheet here.
1: Oh, if you guys are long-time listeners of the show, you know Noah and his Excel sheets are a yep. perfect match.
0: So, season one contract winners from the Contender Series currently holding UFC record of 40-39. and 39. 16 contracts were given out that season in eight episodes, which is a difference to season four and then what will be season five. Yeah. So that's two, two contracts per episode on average season two, they have 23 contracts given up in eight episodes. So bump up almost three contracts an episode UFC record 56 and 56 season three. Thirty contracts given out in eight episodes. Okay, now we're approaching nearly four, four, close to four per episode. Fifty-one and forty-four UFC records, Uh by far the best. And then season four, which was ten episodes, thirty-seven contracts. So three, almost four, uh, an episode. Twenty-eight and thirty UFC record, however. uh Oh. And so far this season, we've had nineteen contracts given out through four episodes that is already more than season one fun fact
1: and a couple of this season's contract winners already have fights booked so be on the lookout
0: so i'll be updating uh, those numbers as we get them but i was a little surprised that uh contenders who's overall from top to bottom lack of ufc success it seems like um yeah you do have some there's some guys really carrying those wins (laughs) you know the one the names that we always talk about uh, there's just a lot of guys that come in and just kind of crash and burn real quickly and um, kind of get you know you get a shot it's not really a guarantee you're yeah. going to be good but it
1: just shows the levels man
0: <laughs> yeah just very interesting in my opinion
1: yeah
0: but um let's move on UFC 266 is what people are here to listen to to watch it's going down this Saturday but Since it is International Fight Week, technically, right? There's
1: a lot going down in Vegas. (laughs) Yep.
0: And that starts with the 2020 UFC Hall of Fame inductees. So they get their ceremony um, sometime this weekend. Dominica, I just wanted to take a moment and tell you who the inductees are, get your thoughts on them. So there's four wings (laughs) Yep, in the UFC Hall of Fame. You got the modern wing, the pioneer wing, the fight wing, and I believe it's the contributor wing is what the fourth one's called. So for this year, you got GSP as the big inductee into the modern wing, Kevin Randleman into the pioneer wing, John Jones versus Alexander Gustafson one into the fight wing, and Mark Ratner into the contributor wing. Any thoughts on these?
1: I mean, GSP, hello. (laughs) One of the greatest, if not the greatest fighter of all time. Uh, and it was just a matter of time, right, before he became eligible and was inducted into the Hall of Fame. So that's obviously no surprise there. The promo video they did for him was absolutely just chilling. Goosebumps all over as I was watching that. Kevin Randleman, an OG of the fight game. one of the He was a heavyweight champion, correct? One of the first ones, right? Yep. Uh, also from Ohio, known for his dominant wrestling and grappling, an absolute beast of a man. So shout out Kevin Randleman, of course. Mark Ratner, huge contributor for years and years of the UFC, done a lot for its growth, and uh, his contributions are endless. And then, of course, Jones Gustafson. One of the greatest fights of all time, one of the greatest title fights of all time, and one of the most closely contested fights of all time. It's no surprise at all that this makes it into the fight wing. Uh, It's one of my favorite fights of all time, watching those two go back and forth gus was really the first guy to show that hey john jones is in fact human um so what a back and forth war that was those two deserve it and uh, i really hope to see those two up on stage together hopefully at the ceremony to uh celebrate that moment because golly what a fight
0: apparently john is in town uh for the ceremony so i don't don't know so hopefully let's get gus in from sweden yeah, I just want to give a shout out to Mark Ratner because I know that's the wing that people are less knowledgeable about, you know, contributor wing. These are people that weren't really fighters, they're ones that more yep. helped grow the business side Behind and whatnot. The scenes. Yeah. But Mark Ratner was the former director of the Nevada State Athletic Commission. He would later become the vice president of regulatory affairs in the UFC. And most importantly, he's essentially the, the individual most credited with being the reason that the UFC was able to, and MMA get legalized in all 50 states. Um, so he was huge for kind of getting those commissions to sanction MMA bouts. And um, we, might not be, we might not be in all 50 states if Mark Ratner didn't have quite the influence that he did. So yeah, big deal for him. Um, any names, anybody that you feel like getting snubbed right now? Anybody sticking out to you that might be like, whoa, why haven't they been inducted yet?
1: Off the top of my head, no. Just because it is still (laughs) such a relatively new Hall of Fame, and you can bring – there's still obviously tons and tons of people that are going to be inducted over the years. Curious to see if they just go without a 2021 (laughs) induction or if they delay it maybe or something. But uh, for this class, it's pretty elite in my opinion. So uh, very happy for all these people. Excited to watch that ceremony this weekend.
0: Yeah, give me – I'm surprised the Fertitta brothers haven't been inducted yet Mm -hmm. for contributors. I think that's something you could see. Uh, perhaps next year um, for fights got to get Lawler McDonald too in there I wonder oh, if because Rory is in uh, the PFL but was in Bellator I wonder if that's what's prevented them holding from doing it. but um, that's got to get in there sometime oh yeah their fight swing is good but like they need to the, I mean this was a good addition but you know there's some fights on there that I'm like huh good fight but like I don't know. Yeah. Not not sure if I'd put it on there in the the Hall of Fame, but, you know, over some. But, you know, it's it's definitely this year deserving guys getting in. Very happy for them. And, uh, yeah, I like the UFC Hall of Fame. I'd like to see it continue kind of moving in this direction. Ceremonies in person, things like that. It's fine. Make
1: it a big deal, you know. Yep.
0: Main event time.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: This headline just feels, nah, just I mean, feels right. Yeah, finally, it does. this fight's been—I mean, this was supposed to happen in March as the co-main of UFC 260. Last second, at the 11th hour, had to be dropped from the card. We were hoping for a quick turnaround, but then they said, "You're going to be the coaches on this season of The Ultimate Fighter." <laughs> yeah, so just delaying the fight even more. We finally get to it. Alexander Volkanovsky versus Brian Ortega. Dominic, you have had a lot of time this week to study this fight, to break down the ins and outs, You know what each guy brings to the table, what each guy's already done in their career. Mm-hmm. I want you to share with the audience your findings. Ultimately, X's and O's here. What do we expect to see from this fight?
1: Well, first off, the champion... Alexander Volkanovsky. I've had my run-ins with the guy, right? I mean, I love Max Holloway, and he took the damn belt from him. (laughs) But I'll tell you what, I've grown to love this man and what he does. And he is just, really both these guys, but especially Alexander, a Swiss army knife when he steps into that octagon. So good, so flawless, basically everywhere that he goes in the fight. And, you know, it's time, it really is time to start putting some respect on this guy's name. He's one of the most underrated and underappreciated champions in the UFC. I don't think that's up for debate. 22 and one. He's undefeated in the UFC for crying out loud. He's nine and zero. No, he hasn't even lost a professional fight since 2013 when it was his fourth bout. So he's coming in on a 19 straight uh, win streak here. And what he's done, especially this latter kind of segment of his career when he, you know, he gets the win over Jose Aldo in dominant fashion. He TKO's Chad Mendes, then beats Max Holloway twice. First one being very convincing to win the belt. Second one, Very close, but he got the win, nevertheless. So uh, I'm very excited for him. He's an elite grappler, a very good striker. And I've mentioned this before, and I'm going to mention it again. The way that he can so perfectly with his coaches and trainers um, game plan for each individual opponent, I don't think is something that gets recognized enough. He goes out there and can just carry it out step by step so perfectly. Whether a finish comes or not, he's such an intelligent fighter, and you can really see it, uh, kind of this evolution of him each time he steps into the cage, Brian Ortega, it's his second shot at UFC gold. Obviously, we know in 2018 he failed in pretty dominant fashion against Max Holloway in a beatdown basically. But uh now he's back. He took a long hiatus, kind of switched up his camp, really started working on his overall game because we know he's a jiu-jitsu ace, it's clear. But in that fight where he came back against Korean Zombie looked phenomenal on the feet for 25 straight minutes. Uh, It just really seems to be coming into his all right now, really putting together a full skill set. And that's what you need to face a guy like Alexander Volkanovsky that's so good everywhere. I'm very excited to see kind of how they'll clash because in terms of grappling, Ortega's an ace in jiu-jitsu. Volk is just a very strong presence and can very much stay on top of you and grind you out, look for the ground and pound and such on the floor. Are they going to cancel each other out because they don't want to grapple with one another? I don't know. On the feet, Volkanovsky, what's funny about Volk, he actually has a longer reach than Ortega, even though he's like one of the shortest guys in this mm-hmm. featherweight division. So on the feet, I feel like he always wants to get in there, kind of the closer ranges. We know his leg kicks are fantastic. And for Ortega, at least in the uh, fight with Korean Zombie, he looked really good from range, was throwing spinning kicks and just long shots, very precise. So honestly, to me, it may just come down to who gets the upper hand on the feet because they're so damn good on the ground. I don't know what we're going to see down there on the floor. So I'm very excited for this. You can't have much more of a 50-50 matchup for me in terms of a title fight. And damn it, Noah, it's been a year in the making and now we're just a day away.
0: This is true. Uh, I loved how you were calling for Volkanovski to finally get some respect. Meanwhile, we've been two people that have disrespected him on this very podcast, <laughs> so that was kind of funny. But um, we've came around, you know we've we, we 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 stopped holding the grudge. At least I have. Do you? Can I'm you good. Say you've, I'm good? Me and him
1: are tight. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, um, at the end of the day, that second Holloway fight was razor thin. Yes. Yeah. So no matter if you thought Max won, Volk won. You can't really call it. You can't call it a robbery either yeah. way. And I will say we've never called it a robbery, but no, we don't like. I think that I think we have tended, and I still kind of view Max in some ways as like the best <laughs> featherweight in the world. But yeah, it's not so much because I think Volkanovski is any less talented. It's just um, Max in that Cater fight just awoken another beast. It's like yeah. he just kept. He kept yeah, <laughs> it's like he's gotten better. I don't know. However. Let's talk about Brian Ortega first, because I think he is the one with the most to lose, actually, in this fight. Despite not being the champion walking in, I agree. You would think the man with the belt would be the one with the most to lose, but I would argue Ortega, long term, um, has a lot to lose because it seems um, for the foreseeable future, either Volkanovski or Max Holloway might be the one holding the title, if not Ortega, right. So if Ortega loses here, he'll have losses to both guys that could reasonably hold the title for the next two, three years, you know, for all we know. Yeah. So in that that sense, this feels like this could be Ortega's last chance for gold for at least a while. And, you know, he still, despite how good he looked against Korean Zombie, that was a long layoff. And now he's turned around and had another Mm -hmm. year layoff. And I hope that that doesn't bother him. I don't think it will. If anything, he seems supremely confident. He
1: does, I
0: mean, almost to a worrying degree. Like I almost worry if he's looking past the champion. So much of his talk this week has been about getting the win back over Max. Uh, yeah,
1: he wants it. Yeah, and
0: even talking about Colby Covington and guys like that. And um, you know, I'm just kind of like. You know you got a really good fighter in front of you to <laughs> yeah. have to win the belt from, right? So maybe it's just you know, maybe that's just what he's doing, playing mind games or whatever. When it comes to the X's and O's, what Volkanovsky does so well with implementing those leg kicks, but it's off of um when he was going up against Max Holloway, Max always does the hand fighting. Yep. So Volkanovsky did a really good job of basically punishing Max anytime he tried to do that. Yep. Anytime he tried to get in a little closer with the hand fighting, throw those leg kicks or throw elbows, whatever. Ortega does a lot of similar stuff. He's not as good at as Max at it, but he that is what he does in his standup. He will right. play the hand fighting. So that worries me. Number two, you're right. Volkanovsky tends to keep things closer in closer range, even though he's the guy with the longer reach here. Yeah. Ortega, much more of a distance fighter. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see how does that, I guess, affect this matchup. You got Volkanovski, who has the longer reach, but usually prefers to kind of get in a little inside, while Ortega doesn't have quite the reach for it, but is going to be looking to pick his shots on the outside that could – hamper the ability of Volkanovski's leg kicks for sure if he's able yeah. to keep that outside. Now, your ST, your evaluation of the ground game is interesting because you <coughs> – excuse me. I, I think that Ortega has a clear advantage on the ground in the sense of Volkanovski, while being very good at holding people down and getting maybe some decent ground and pound from time to time. Ortega more dangerous. Yes, in terms of getting those submissions, Ortega is a a different animal than anything Volkanovski's faced. Yeah. So I don't think Volkanovski has a shot at wanting to get this fight to the ground. It's just not, you know, Ortega's just too dangerous on the ground to really risk even taking it there. Volkanovski's very good everywhere, but if you're not at the jiu-jitsu level of a Brian Ortega, nobody is in the UFC. Yeah. So at the end of the day... This fight is 50-50, but to me, this is a stand-up fight for as long as it goes, and, you know, Ortega, man, this was a guy that, when he went up against Max Holloway, he already looked fantastic going into that fight. Yeah. Was the second-best featherweight in the world. Championship contender. I know that lost to Holloway, you know, one-sided, whatever, but still, he was the second best featherweight in the world at the time coming back to the Korean zombie fight. He looked night and day better. Yes. Night and day better when the night, when the previous form of him was already a title contender was already second best featherweight in the world. Yeah. And he looked a lot better,
1: a different fighter essentially.
0: And I guess at the same time though, these guys around him have improved as well. Volkanovski seems to get better and better. He is the ultimate tactician. Yes. In the sense that the game plan is always on point. He sticks to it. He never gets dragged into some sort of fight that's not his kind of fight. Yep. And then you got Max Holloway, who look what he just did to Calvin Cater. He did what he did to Ortega, but worse yeah. to Calvin. So Ortega, in my opinion, could be at this point the best featherweight in the world with that much improvement, yeah, but he's got to be able to get past one of these top two, one of these two guys that stand at the top. And I guess lucky for him in a sense, his first chance to kind of get past one of these two is for the actual titles. So, yeah, I think there's going to be a stamp put on this fight one way or another. I think someone's making a statement here because We know, Dominic, all roads here lead to Max Holloway. At least that's the assumption. Yeah. We know there's a chance Max and Yair Rodriguez get booked in November, but I don't think that's official yet. So we're going to – I think maybe part of the reason that's not official is we're going to wait and see what happens Saturday. But let's talk about that for a second. Max Holloway might be next for either one of these guys. Volkanovski's beat him twice or take his loss to him once. Does that mean that one of these guys, whoever comes in here, like, do you feel like that the winner is looking to make that, that kind of, that stamp that, like, no, this is my belt, like, this is my division to, in order for people to kind of wake up and be like, okay, Max Holloway ain't just going to walk through whoever he's up against next?
1: both these guys want to make statements and it's because and you said it after Holloway's performance against Cater you can't help but feel this guy's still the best in the world so either one of these guys are going to walk out the champion saying hey I'm the one with the gold belt here Max has to come challenge me get through me to get his belt back I'm the best in this weight class I'm one of the best in the world so I do agree with you 1 million percent I think regardless of which way this fight goes it will be convincing and it will be a very big statement made toward Blessed Express.
0: Ooh, just gives me chills <clears> thinking <throat> oh, about it.
1: Oh, man, I'm so ready for this fight.
0: Let's talk about the co-main event.
1: Ah, all right.
0: Women's.
1: <laughs> I on. didn't let's mean let's that in a mean let's way. Let's be a little huh? more excited, say The difference in the two, that's all, that's all.
0: Women's flyweight title on the line. Valentina Shevchenko looks to defend once again against Lauren Murphy. Dominic, we, we're we going to cut out the the fat here. Cut through the bullshit. Yeah, we know too. every, we don't need anybody. Nobody here is going to come here and listen to us tell them that Valentina Shevchenko is amazing yeah. and that Lauren Murphy has little sh- chance of winning this fight. Everybody coming to this episode already knows that. Yes. Doesn't even need to be said. Right. So, my question for you, Dominic, is I'm tasking you, I should say, okay, with telling the audience what does Lauren Murphy have to do to make this a fight? Where is her in her skill set? Can she try to put in some sort of game plan to maybe not whether it's a hole in Valentina's game or something that she just is so good at, Lauren Murphy? That is, that if she can just continuously go back to it, maybe it can just make it a closer fight. What do you see?
1: See, that's the thing in terms of the actual skills and X's and O's, there's really <laughs> nothing that stands out to me that she can do, but it's a matter of, I think. She's very durable. She's a durable fighter. Been in there. Has a ton of experience. She's on a five-fight win streak, so a lot of momentum. And the mindset of, there's nothing to lose. I earned the Mm -hmm. shot. No one else is on this streak right now. I'm going in there, and I'm going to try and take the belt from Valentina. I'm going to try and shock the world. It's going to come down to the mental game for me, a mindset, and being gritty, and just trying to make this fight as ugly as possible. Because everything Valentina does is near flawless. Every aspect of everything. But for Lauren, she's someone who goes in there. She's in firefight. She's been in a lot of close decisions. But she's able to grind it out and really be gritty. And I think she's going to need to do the same thing here. She is a good grappler. And again, we saw Valentina in the Jennifer Maya fight. At least show a little bit of weakness. But then she fought Jessica Andrade and all that shit went out the window, which is crazy. But <laughs> yeah. anyway, I just think that's kind of the best area on the feet. The, uh, you're not going to want to get into a, a striking battle with Valentina. That's just for anyone. Uh, going forward. But I think, yeah, press forward, even though you you, be willing to maybe take some shots just to kind of make Valentina feel a little bit uncomfortable, push her up against that cage, use your strength to your advantage. Lauren Murphy's very strong um, physique wise. So I think there is again, not really anything skill specific, but in terms of the mindset and the way that she can kind of grind it out with Valentina, make it go into her realm a little bit, quote unquote, is kind of going to be your best shot here.
0: It's got to be the strength advantage, right? Right. There's a chance Lauren Murphy has an actual strength advantage in the cage. Do I know that? No. I'm just... Valentina Shevchenko is very strong, but Lauren Murphy looks physically stronger. Yeah. So, we saw when... Valentina went up against Jennifer Maya. You're right, that kind of round where she lost and yeah. everybody kind of freaked out for a second. <laughs> yeah. Jennifer Maya used her strength in that in that round to really hold Valentina down. Didn't sure. do a lot of damage but won the round by p- almost just purely kind of holding her down and yeah, keeping that Pulling top position almost.
1: Yeah.
0: Ah, I mean, I, I again, no damage, so I don't yeah. know if it's even that, but it just Lauren Murphy has to implement that kind of game plan. To me, it, it involves a lot of level changes, a lot of clinch work, a lot of trying to put Valentina up against the cage, keep her on her back foot. Um, you know, when she, when she maybe gets, gets into the clinch up against the fence, right when Valentina's about to lay off some nasty knees or yeah. some nasty elbows, level change, go for a takedown don't get it all right you're back up on the clinch again and you can start trying to do some some little things here and there a little dirty boxing whatever that that's going to be the route for Lauren murphy here do I think that's what's going to happen no i just valentina is just so gifted okay. everywhere that you need someone who is perfect for the entirety of the fight and even then you might lose the close yeah, it decision still might not be enough and um <laughs> We've just yet to see someone step up in this division who offers that. Lauren Murphy's deserving of this spot. Five wins in a row, I believe, coming in here. But you're right. She hasn't really shown that she is a level above the people she's beaten up to this point. She's just kind of just just enough better than them. But Valentina's running laps around this division right now. She is, man. So it's an uphill battle for Lauren Murphy. It's a shot she still deserved she's she should be in this spot but you know are we gonna sit here and tell you guys to bet the house on lauren murphy no Uh, probably not if you want to drop 10 bucks i mean if you want to waste 10 bucks why not just because the the odds are so stacked yeah it's uh, crazy but please bet responsibly anyways (laughs) of course unless you're in ohio (laughs) let's get into our five round feature bout.
1: oh another one
0: we have a lot to talk about here 17 years into making, Dom, from their first fight in yeah. 2004. Nick Diaz is back after a five-year layoff to go up against a familiar foe and the former welterweight champion of the world, Robbie Lawler. Now, I think we're just going to talk about the lead-up to this fight before we get into the actual X's and O's, because yeah, this fight's going to be very unpredictable, let's be honest. Oh, 100%. we're trying, we're trying to, produ- we're trying to sit here and tell people what to expect from a fighter who hasn't stepped in the cage in five years versus a fighter who hasn't looked the same in the last five years. And to me, it's just a, that's a losing battle to try to tell people what to expect there. So let's start with the lead up. It was announced a couple days ago that this fight would not be a welterweight. Mm. It would be at middleweight, 185 pounds. This happening at the last second. Dana confirmed in his post-fight press conference after Contender Series on Tuesday. That was from the Diaz camp. They said that they wanted to be at 185 pounds. Robbie agreed. So here we are, 185 pounds. Yeah. There has been a lot of rumors swirling about what the reason for this could be supposedly, um, according to an interview, um, the Schmo's girlfriend, Helen Yee, she, she does interviews, Helen Yee Sports. She did an interview with Josh Thompson, of all people. And Josh Thompsons was worried at the time, this was uh, last weekend, that he acted like he wasn't for sure if Nick Diaz was going to make the fight. Apparently, a video going around of some sparring footage that he wouldn't go into any detail about but just said that it didn't look good oh. and that supposedly he was he was concerned Nick wouldn't make the fight. Wow. So that comes out. Then you have the 185 pounds yeah. thing. Dominic, what's going on here?
1: I don't like it. I don't like none of this. But, hey, what's a DS fight week without a little bit of drama, right? So, um, you know, again, we haven't seen Nick Diaz since January 31st of 2015. That is a <laughs> long, long time ago. And uh, while it looked like for a while, at least over this past year, he's putting in the work in the gym. Physique looked incredible. People are like, oh, he's coming. You know, the comeback's on its way. Then we get into fight week. That physique is thrown out the window. I don't know if anybody saw kind of his uh, venom fight gear yeah. and stuff i'm like dude what what's, what's going on he just doesn't look kind of the same physically and then you add in oh so he wants to fight at 185 doesn't want to cut weight make that the week of the fight feel bad for robbie in terms of that i mean you don't got to cut weight i guess if you're robbie too so it's win-win in a little bit but uh, i don't like that and then he kind of comes out and says yeah this fight's stupid whoever made this fight's an idiot uh, it makes no sense. I don't know why I'm fighting Robbie Lawler. I should be fighting Usman. And again, that second part about fighting Usman, that's just a DS thing to say. Because, you know, they're true fighters through and through. Can't take that away from them. But, uh, like, dude, come on. You, you agreed to this fight. Like, there was something about it that kind of tickled your interest to want to come back against Robbie. Um, unless he just had no say in this whatsoever and his management just said, fuck it. I don't know what's going on over there. So, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff, I don't really like what's going on on the DS uh, side. Uh, I do respect, he kind of went in on the mental aspect of the sport with Brett Okamoto, and that part was very cool to see, and how, you know, he says, I have to hate this sport to love this sport, and that's a very interesting quote, and you kind of, you don't get to see the mental side of it a lot with fighters, so when they come out and say things like this and go in to detail and let the the masses hear it and see it, I do respect that, Uh, but ultimately, man, it's just a lot of weirdness going on, I feel... Very strange as the days lead in. I mean, I can't help but wonder, or not even wonder, I can't help but to lean toward Robbie Lawler in this one. I I don't know why, but there's just so many question marks I have. Like, are we even going to get this fight? I still have a question mark now, and the fight is tomorrow. I mean, shit, we're recording this on Thursday. If anything goes down today, we apologize in advance. But I just don't feel very confident about what we're going to see in the cage, if we're even going to see him get in the cage. I don't like all this stuff going on right now. Robbie Lawler ain't used to all this drama. He's one of the most quiet fighters on the roster. So uh, we'll see what happens come Saturday night. Again, we haven't gotten into the X's and O's yet, but in terms of the lead up, it has been very dramatic. But again, what are you expecting during a DS fight week? Noah, give me some of your thoughts on this stuff.
0: You know, it's, it's easy to say like, oh, it's just another Diaz fight week, but these actual in – in the, on the interview side, for sure. I mean, him saying, why am I having this fight? I mean, he was very complimentary to Ravi. He literally said this guy – I think the quote was something like uh, – he said he's a, he's a, he's a, talking about Ravi. He's like, he's a nice guy. He doesn't deserve the, the ass whooping I'm about to give him or something <laughs> like that. Hilarious. I read that, and I started dying laughing just – he like was so you could tell he's just so confident and yeah, just, but um, that side of things that is very Diaz esque. You know, people are talking about it. People mm-hmm. are like, "Wow, this guy doesn't like fighting." Wow he he thinks he should be fighting newsman guys. He he does this every time. yes, yeah. not news worthy in my opinion. But you know, I get it. Big deal when a big star comes back and he starts spouting some, to be honest, nonsense at times. But mm-hmm. in terms. I want to focus more on everything else. That's what I care more about. Um, it it can't be good that this weight change is happening so suddenly. Um, obviously, the answer lies in that Diaz wasn't going to make 170 pounds, yep. which is weird because back in one of his videos he put of him at the gym, back when he started training for this fight, or I guess started training again, you know, back when he was showing himself looking ripped, it was like yeah. a year ago, probably at this point he weighed, I believe it showed him on the scale at one point, 168 pounds.
1: Yep. I
0: remember that. And he looked ripped. Oh and yeah. You he was at shredded. His, and you look at his physique in his shadow boxing video, little doughy, a little bit. Yeah. So either, you know, this could either be simply Diaz isn't really taking this that seriously. Yeah. Um, you know something changed, he, he wanted the fight, and then maybe once they gave him the matchup, he's like, well, fuck this, I don't care about this matchup, and just kind of didn't really take it seriously, and ultimately that is kind of leading to why he's not even really attempting to get down to 170 pounds or whatever. Or we can take the word of some of the rumors going around based off of what Josh Thompson said, where maybe he got cracked in sparring maybe got dropped or got knocked out in sparring, which is what the rumor is, and that his team didn't want him to try to cut down yeah. and compromise his chin even more. I don't know. Either way, like is it is it is it it's a little for the UFC to kind of give in to this, it's not the best look like when the UFC does stuff like this. Like people don't tend to to care and I, I will be honest. I, I I would be more upset if this fight didn't happen, oh, then course. if it then if it just got bumped up to 185 pounds, I mean, at the end of the day, this is a legend fight. Yeah, and in my eyes, the winner here doesn't isn't gaining. You know, this there's no sort of momentum to be had towards a title fight. Does Nick Diaz think that? Does the UFC think that? I don't know. I'm just saying that right now. I just look at this as a legend fight. I don't care what weight it's at. I don't care if it's open weight. Just make it happen because these are two guys that I've loved to watch. Let's just get in there. But let's just be clear that all these signs that are going into fight week and coming into the fight, they all point to one direction. And that's that Robbie Lawler is going to win this fight. Is that what's going to actually happen? I don't know. I'm just telling you guys right now, every sign is pointing to Nick Diaz is not coming into the cage at 100%. And I'm sure Robbie isn't either, but... Even for Nick, it, it could be mental and as much yeah. as physical. We don't know what's going on. I think there might be a lot that comes out here. There's a story brewing. I don't know what's going on. Uh, it's weird. I look man. forward to hearing more about it. But you got one guy in Robbie Lawler who was prepared to make 170 pounds. He and he will be, I guess, it's somewhat of a disadvantage based on this move because I don't know if he had started to cut weight. But his whole training camp was probably designed around getting him to a weight on oh, yeah. fight week where he would be able to manageably cut to 170 pounds. This is a guy, Robbie Lawler, never had problems cutting weight. He has fought at 185 pounds. That was when he was in, like, strike force and things like that. But that was also one of the worst runs of his career. <laughs> so not his best weight. However, Diaz, on the other hand, might have been a guy who, for all we know, He's cutting to 185 pounds. We don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he 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 could be 195, 200 pounds, cutting down, and he's just like, I'm just not going to get to 170. Yeah. So therefore, you almost have like a light heavyweight cutting the middleweight versus a welterweight trying to gain weight to go up the middleweight. Does that right. make sense? Yeah. So that that leads to being a bit of a power dynamic that's not equal there. I still stand by all signs point to Robbie Lawler, but we're going to find out Saturday, and I guess is where we can get in more about the fight. Robbie Lawler doesn't do well against Nick Diaz is a bad matchup in terms of when they are at their peak skill set. Nick Diaz is a bad matchup for Robbie Lawler. He is a heavy on output fighter. You've seen Robbie struggle time and time again against this kind of fighter. Colby Covington being example number one, Nick Diaz high output, always in your face. Robbie doesn't always do well against that kind of fighter. However, it's just it's hard to really, guys. I'm struggling to even tell you what what kind of action you're going to see because really don't know, not a clue. And yeah, I mean, I guess if there's two there's two ways I see this fight going. I see Nick Diaz potentially winning this fight in a five-round war. That could end up being just an amazing fight. And yeah. Something we're talking about at the Joey's at the end of the year, for all we know. Or I see Robbie Lawler getting a quick, quick victory here.
1: That would be insane. In the eight.
0: Which one's more realistic? Right now it feels like the Robbie one, but Nick Diaz is a guy that's never really been – on the receiving end of something like that. Yeah. You know, he's never been a guy to be quickly finished. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not seeing a lot of stuff this week. That's giving me a lot of confidence in him, but really this whole placement, this whole fight being put in a five round feature belt. It is made for Nick Diaz. Oh yeah. hundred percent. He's the one that with the win here, they UFC could potentially look to put against Jorge Masvidal or
1: against, Whoever. And all of a sudden, it's looking a little dire. I, but that's I not, can't That's recall. not the
0: point. Well, that's not the point. The point is, it is, but it's it's more so the fact that that's why I keep going back to, like, Nick Diaz has, if it was, if, 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 if I didn't think the UFC were, co- like, I feel like there's a lot of confidence in Nick Diaz coming in here. I mean, maybe that's, you don't really know what you're going to get until they show up on fight week or whatever, yeah. but. You had to think the UFC have been checking in on him time and time again. And if they thought that there was some sort of concern that he's not going to be, you know, they've dealt with him for so long and he's done a lot of, he's done a lot of shit. He's no-showed press conferences and stuff. They had to be keeping tabs on him through his training camp. And if, so they, they had to be confident that he's going to come in here and perform at least in a way where people are going to be happy that it's the feature bout of a main card. Yeah. That's where I keep going back it it's it takes me back and forth, Tom.
1: Yeah, I, I can't recall in a long time at least, or maybe ever for me personally, where a fight of this magnitude has felt so strange with just 48 hours to spare. It's there is a very weird aura <coughs> surrounding everything about this fight. And uh I guess it's just a matter of time until we see what the hell happens, man.
0: Still excited to watch it. If anything, my excitement's been heightened because I don't know what's going to happen. My
1: curiosity, my intrigue, everything is just (laughs) off the charts. It's weird.
0: But uh, I think we'll leave it there. We'll get into the rest. A few more fights to talk about. Start with the heavyweight big boys, the big E-boy.
1: Big E, we love it.
0: and Rosenstroy going up against Curtis Blades. Dominic, the story here for me. Last fight of Curtis Blades' contract. Him and the UFC have had some words. They've they've not been on the uh, same page for a while now. Is this a must win for Curtis Blades in order for him to even remain in the UFC?
1: It may not be a must win, though. It may just be, you got to go out there and make a damn statement type of win. Maybe a win isn't enough <laughs> because we've seen with Curtis, now he has some very impressive finishes. Don't get me wrong. He's got 10 of 14 or via oh. finish, but... Yeah, don't forget the hellbows. They, they showed that clip yesterday I saw yeah. on Twitter. Ugh, ugh. Anyway, but Curtis can also have some of the doll kind of grinded out fights. See the one with Volkov, one of the most recent ones, I guess. Um, so, yeah, not only a must win, but I think he has to go in there and really put, out, put on a show, get a finish for sure. So I'm very curious to see how this will go. Obviously, you kind of look at it and you think grappler striker, right? I mean, that's safe to say. We know what Curtis' game plan is every time he steps in there uh i will say against Derek lewis he looked good on the feet uh, in the first round didn't really have much success in grappling but when he shot in in the second round it didn't go too well so uh if anything rosenstroke's probably taking some notes on that uppercut that Derek lewis landed uh for jayzinho he was on a bit of a skid but he bounced back in his main event against augusto sakai so he's still hanging around there ranked number six right now uh, this is a big test for him though because he hasn't really went up against a grappler like curtis blade's and that's just because there aren't many grapplers like Curtis in the heavyweight division. So uh, it's safe to say this is a very interesting fight. It's very important for both guys, but definitely much more so uh, for razor blades.
0: Yeah, I will say for Rosenstroik that he is a far better striker, I guess, from in terms of technical ability than yeah. Derek Lewis. I mean, he's a he's an underrated fighter, oh, he to is, be honest. Man. I mean, just, a, you know, we we've... we've there's been times he kind of gets brushed aside a little bit and you know I get it knocked out by Nganu the way he did and whatnot and, but the guy's a very technical striker very good striker now you're right the what, what's going to be the, the difference here is if Curtis Blades can get those takedowns early and often yeah. it's going to be a long night for strike but he's kind of untested in terms of his grappling defense yeah. and what he can do in that aspect so it's going to be for sure, I guess, in a, we'll, we'll get a good idea of kind of what kind of fighter we even have in Rosenstroke in terms of a full capabilities. You know, can he keep himself off his back against the best grappling you're going to see in the heavyweight division? And then Blaze has just got to be more, even more careful than he was against Lewis, in my opinion. You know, Lewis did have a perfectly timed uppercut, but Rosenstroke has more weapons in his. In his stand-up, yeah. So Blades has an even tougher battle here. He Strick also carries a lot of power. It's a tough fight for both guys. I'm very excited
1: for that one. Hundred percent.
0: Women's flyweight, the previous contender Jessica Andrade, coming off of that devastating one-sided loss to the champion, goes up against Cynthia Calvillo, who's been a bit underwhelming over the last couple years, mm-hmm. but still here at number five someone that had a lot of hype at one point. Dominic, does she have – Does we know how good Andrade is. Yes. Does Calvillo, can she really stack up to Jessica
1: Andrade here? This is definitely a tough test, man, because Andrade, you're not going to find someone else with more experience in the UFC than Jessica Andrade in terms of the women's divisions. I mean, this is going to be her 21st UFC fight, her 31st overall, and she's still only 29 years old. This woman is constantly going out and not only fighting all the time, but fighting the best in the world. And not only fighting the best in the world, fighting the best in the world in three different weight classes. So uh, Just Condrage is so fun to watch all the time. And for Cynthia, man, this is a huge test because she is ranked fifth, which is weird. She's like one and one or something in this division or one, one and one. I don't know. Um, and she came into the UFC with a lot of hype, a lot of momentum, but really hasn't lived up to that. I mean, yeah, she's five, two and one, which is decent record but there's just something that doesn't feel what once was there when she debuted. So this is a big test for her, but if she can win, we, we kind of talked about it on uh, the Reddit round table on Wednesday. She's kind of sitting there ready for a title shot because Valentina has already cleared out the division. So uh, it's very big for her on is going to bull rush her. She's going to look to land big strikes. She might look for some big takedowns. Cynthia, while being well-rounded is known for her grappling being that she's trained with team alpha male for so many years, So I'll be curious to see if she looks to grapple. And if so, can she kind of keep Andrade on her back? Um, Because we don't really see that much. I mean, Valentina did pretty damn good at it, which was surprising. But uh, I'm very curious to see how this will go. And, of course, if it's on the feet, Calvillo kind of pick her shots. uh, See the Jessica I win, for example, to kind of put that into perspective. But Andrade is not going to give her any space, man. That's where I worry about. Can she handle the pressure that she's going to bring for three straight rounds?
0: I'm gonna go out on a limb and say she can't. I really don't think she can. I think uh, Cynthia Calvillo is just not. She's not what I think the people have wanted her to be. Um, she missed weight a couple of times as a straw weight. That's why she moved up. But even at straw weight, she just, it wasn't like she was dominating people. Yeah. You know, she just been a kind of a just perennially just kind of overrated in my opinion. And I think here against Andrade, she might get exposed. Mm. If she she goes out there and puts on a performance like you just said, where she can put Andrade on her back and not give her any space and really hold her down, that'll show me a lot. Oh, yeah, for sure. But that is, I mean, Andrade, I think, is going to be a stronger fighter in the cage. I think she's just better almost everywhere. I don't see where Calvillo gets a win here, but you are right if she wins, she might be in a title shot. <laughs> yeah. While if she loses, she might be a loss away from being cut from the company for all yeah. So that's where this is a tale of two different stories for this fight. And, um, you know, that adds a little more intrigue when you have two extremes like that for Cynthia Calvillo. Undoubtedly. Marlon yeah. Moraes and Rob Valishvili. This ain't now, really getting
1: talked about, you know, you know, it's not. And
0: I think, people are going to fall into the trap of calling this a striker grappler matchup. And it really isn't. Marlon Moraes is the, is a much more well-rounded fighter than Marav. He's got the good striking, very powerful, but he also has shown some willingness to play the ground game. You know, he tried to, tried to implement that with Rob Font. Obviously couldn't keep it there, but he did do a pretty good job of keeping Rob or at least taking Rob Font down. Yeah. However, Marab, we know this dude is a mauler underground. He he looks to get you underground early and often, but doesn't have very good hands. Yeah. He's not very good in his striking. Still, still green in his striking. So the problem for Marlon Moraes isn't the skills he possesses; it's that he can't really take any punishment anymore. Yeah, he just he he's his fight his the wars he's been in the fight years that have accumulated have left him to be a bit susceptible to you know getting knocked out and you've seen that over the last year or so so in this fight though he doesn't really have to worry about getting knocked out in my opinion
1: yeah at least on the feet i mean you got to look at it too for marlon you want to talk about someone having a lot you know riding on a fight this guy's lost three of his last four, and you could argue he's entering this fight on a four-fight losing streak because of how close that fight with Jose Aldo was, and I don't like passing that around. He won the fight on the judges' scorecard, but you get the sentiment I'm making. And now here with Marab, he's taken this biggest step back that we've seen in a long time. Mar- Mar- Marlon's been in the top of the heap for quite a couple years now, so Marab all of a sudden is getting to kind of crack in, smash in, quote-unquote, since he's you know titled The Smashing Machine. He's on a six-fight win streak. He's got a ton of momentum. He started 0-2 in the UFC and has since looked dominant against every freaking fighter that he's faced. And now it's definitely, by far, his biggest jump. So I'm curious to see how he'll kind of respond. And you know how he's going to come in there and act. He's going to constantly pressure Marlon up against the fence. He's going to look to grind it out, get takedowns, and he's going to be absolutely relentless. But with Marlon's power that may just be able to keep him from coming in so aggressively because he could potentially catch Marab and Marlon's going to need a big performance here to kind of keep the naysayers away and keep himself in the top 10 of this division. I'm looking forward to see kind of how they both uh, will potentially look to capitalize on this opportunity.
0: If Marlon Rice can't get it done against Marab in terms of a matchup, there is not going to be a better matchup for Marlon Rice at this point in his career. Than the type of fighter Murab is, Murab is very good on, in the grappling. And I'm not saying that he Murab has an advantage there for sure, but the problems for Marais have been that he he can't take the shot anymore. Yeah, Murab does not offer that kind of threat. Yes, so if Marlon Marais can't get it done here against a guy like Murab, I think it's the end of the road. No matter how good I know Murab's look fantastic. I'm not saying that as like a you know, he's not good. Yeah. I'm just saying, matchup wise, this is the best matchup Marlon's going to be able to get in top 15. Yeah. Because this a division grappler, is a grappler with green stand up. Yeah. And this is, this is, this fight, everything's right on this fight for Marlon Rice.
1: Million percent.
0: Dan Hooker, Nazrat, Hawk Pressed.
1: You want to talk about drama?
0: I mean, this was almost made a headline just for the yeah. fact that these two had a race against time. Yeah. The, both, both fighters coming in here, um, having troubles getting their visas worked out. Started with Dan Hooker earlier this week. He had to tweet at um forget who it was, someone that works like the in prime that- minister of New Zealand yeah. or something. <laughs> I don't even know. Um to get his visa approved in time, got that worked out. Then it turns out Nazrat Akhpras is having the same issues. <laughs> Luckily, though, it looks like the fight is happening as of today. Dominic, I guess it's better if both guys have this kind of baggage coming into fight <laughs> night. Yeah. However, Nazrat Akhpras has the added element of he just lost his mother two weeks ago.
1: Awful. So that's
0: where a lot of the getting the – that's why he was kind of last second and getting himself ready to, you know, get yeah. that visa and stuff. So, there's a lot of emotion in this fight, I think. Both, uh, you know, Dan Hooker, we saw in his last fight, knocked out by Michael Chandler. How much time he had to spend away from his kids Mm -hmm. and his family, just quarantining. It's a similar story here. There's a lot of emotion behind this fight, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean, and you got to wonder, too, with, you know, coming in. They're literally, again, we record on Thursdays. They're, like, getting to Vegas on Thursday they got to make weight by Friday morning and then fight on Saturday. So uh, I just hope that doesn't potentially hinder their performances because this fight on paper is an absolute banger. I mean, these guys are going to go in, and they always look to finish. Nazrat's finished 9 out of 13. Dan's finished 17 out of 20. And there is kind of a lot riding on this because – For one, I never foresaw this fight occurring. I mean, Dan Hooker's ranked number eight. Nasrat is not ranked at all. So if he can come in and beat Dan Hooker, he is all of a sudden catapulted into the top ten of the deepest weight class in the UFC. And for Hooker, he's already on a two-fight skid, albeit it's Dustin Poirier in a razor-close fight and then a knockout loss to Chandler. So you look at where those guys are now. But all of a sudden, if you take your dip in competition here, not that Nasrat isn't a great fighter, but it's the name value and the no number next to his name kind of thing. So uh, this is a big fight for Dan here to see if he can bounce back, keep his name with the elite of this division. And again, Nasraq kind of going to look to uh, really bring – he brings a lot of pressure, right? He gets a lot of finishes and KOs people, but he brings pressure with him. And Dan Hooker, he's a long, rangy striker, great in the clinch. Very curious to see kind of where this is going to play out and who's going to ultimately uh, make a statement because this is kind of one – similar to how you said you feel uh, Ortega and uh, Volkanovski, there's going to be like one clear big statement made. I think I feel that way in this one. I think there's going to be a very clear winner in a a very decisive fashion. Interesting.
0: Yeah, I'm not exactly getting that kind of vibe from this fight, but I just, I got to wonder how these two are going to look. You know, Are we going to get a subpar performance from one of these two? Are both guys going to look a little out of it? Are both guys just going to look fantastic because it's going to cancel out and we're going to get an awesome yeah. fight? I don't know. It's. I guess it's better for both guys to be compromised than one coming in, but you know, it sucks that both guys have to deal with this coming in. Hopefully, I think we can at least say with certainty that any sort of negative takeaways from this fight for either guy coming out should be treated lightly considering oh, yeah. what they had to deal with to get here. For sure. Last one, top two or t- top two top ten heavyweights <laughs> collide. Finally, Shamil Abdurahimov, Chris Dawkis. Chris Talkis, the much younger fighter, mm-hmm. the much less experienced fighter. Abdurahimov, two year plus layoff coming in here. He is just Abdurahimov is just a tough matchup for anybody. He is a tough guy to look good against. A slow plotting, grind you out type heavyweight, very old fashioned heavyweight in that sense well chris Dawkins is of this new this new wave of guys He's yes. looked really good so far there's a lot of potential a lot of hype behind him dominic is chris Talkis, is he able to get the job done here against the aging vet and Abdurrahimov?
1: that's a good question Noah. because shamil a veteran been there and done that had a ton of fights a lot of elite uh, or not not necessarily elite, but top experience with really good fighters. He's been in a UFC main event before, for crying out loud, with Derek Lewis. So, you know, Shamil's kind of been in that moment, whereas Dalkus, yes, it's not on the main card or anything. It's lower on the prelims. This is definitely the biggest fight of his life, right? He's finally not only in the rankings of the UFC, but he's undefeated at 3-0. He's riding hot on a four-fight win streak, all via first-round KO, TKO. So can he carry the momentum against a guy that is going to not allow him, or at least – Plan to not allow him to fight his fight. Shamil's going to look to grind this out and make it kind of his fight for 15 full minutes. Uh, and f- for Dawkins, can he keep it on the feet? Because he's a very crisp boxer, very good hands. So I look forward to this. Can he get a finish? Can he get the win in general and kind of really approach top five territory in this heavyweight division? Fresh blood can be made here if Chris Dawkins gets a win. That's
0: true. That's true. It's going to wrap it up, I think, for. The MMA weekend preview. Give us your thoughts. Huge event going down Saturday night. Let us know your thoughts on the fights, all the drama going on with Nick Diaz, Robbie Lawler, um, Dan Hooker, Nazrat Hawk prest A lot going on. It's an exciting fight week. I won't lie. I'm sure we're going to have a lot of takeaways on Sunday. So be sure to check out our Monday episode, our weekend recap. And uh, yeah, until then, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media.
1: Find me on Twitter, on Instagram, <clears throat> at Deesley14. More importantly, go follow, go engage, go interact with the podcast on Twitter, on Instagram at BAJ underscore MMA podcast baby. But don't put baby on the end of it.
0: And for me, Twitter, Instagram at NT Baker underscore. Uh, if you go to the link in my bio, it'll take you to a link tree, which will provide you a list of links. To all the platforms the podcast is on, along with social media platforms. So that includes, but it's not limited to.
1: No, nothing. I I was just thrown off by your outro pacing. That's all.
0: (laughs) But not limited to, except it kind of is the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, and Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcast. It's all on there, baby. And there's a couple links for today's sponsor,
1: Anchor. Shout out.
0: Leaving a voice message. Do
1: it. We're not telling you guys anymore. Well, we are, but, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And there's a link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That just provides with a few dollars a month, all that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast. Whether it be getting the new internet or giving me a muzzle so I can put it on Dom so he doesn't cut me off anymore. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that's it. We're out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Easy. We're out of here. <laughs> We're gone. We're gone.